This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, June 10th, 2023. Man, we're, we're, we're almost halfway through the year. Moving right along. I'm uh, trying to it's, think it's of It's amazing. Like, are there like big, like awesome things I've missed this year that I just don't remember? Actually, no. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, the uh, what can I say in terms of the broader pop culture and and everything? No, it's actually been a pretty slow year, and I'm not just saying that because. I myself have sort of gone heads down and uh, ignored a lot of this stuff. And I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I don't I don't do many of the games and shows and things that we talk about anymore, or that we used to talk about. Um, our our big video game releases. If you're looking for a blast from the past, uh, just in the past couple of weeks, we've seen the release of Street Fighter Six which is actually probably the 20th iteration of Street Fighter, and uh, Diablo 4 was just released. I heard Street Fighter 6 was actually some controversy, but was actually a good game? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't dipped my toes in. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, because I don't like online play. For me, Street Fighter is the you know the per, you know in person at the arcade or with your friends uh, so i haven't tried it yet but uh response is really good um i watched a few matches from uh daigo the one of the famous street fighter players um oh what was it evo evo moment 23 or something like that it's that guy anyway uh the gameplay looks pretty good. It, uh, I, I tell you what, I really hit me as I watched it is that the art style has truly improved. Um, Street Fighters four and five, when they got away from the beautiful hand-drawn comic book aesthetic, it still had the comic book aesthetic, but it was done, you know, all three D modeling. Uh, the all the characters were really ugly. All the characters' designs were ugly. Um, Street Fighter 6 looks pretty. I really like the animations. Um, so anyway, it it uh, it looked like if you like street, you like that sort of thing, you've already bought it, right? Because it looks pretty good. And that's all I know about it. And I mean, was... and to go back to your original question, like, there's been no big pop culture moments, just. Terrible movies keep coming out. Like the movie movies are almost dead, aren't they? I have nothing exciting to report. <laughs> How about you, man? Um Well, I mean, they're the things we're gonna talk about today. But uh 
you know, um, oh man, I'm trying to do there are things that I no longer wish to mention on the air because I decided that until something concrete pops up that I'm not going to talk about it. But, uh, you know, those sorts of things that I wouldn't mention are going really well. Great. Same old, same old around here. Uh, for those of you who like the uh, the personal updates, uh, my house is still in a bit of disarray. I'm gonna have some work done on the uh, uh, on the house, and that's all I'll say about that. I was expecting you to have more to say than that. <laughs> I, I mean, was, it's frust was... it's frustrating uh, because uh, I've got a lot of I've got a little bit of remodeling work that I'd like to do, but I've got some. Uh, there's some structural issues in the house that I want to address first. And I, I pretty much need to address first. Uh, Owning a home is great, but it is something else. The whole brand new set of adult responsibilities. <laughs> um, So yeah, the, the movies I want to see, I mean, obviously John McFour hit and people really loved that and I still haven't seen it. Obviously, uh, Super Mario Brothers, the movie hit and I haven't seen that and I still want to see that and that was really, really successful and popular. Um, then there was... A bunch of other stuff they hit that wasn't successful and popular by the standards of like Marvel. You know, Quantum Mania came and went. Um, and and then there's another Marvel movie coming, and I'm so excited for it that I can't even remember the name. Uh, but I'm sure if you reminded me, I'd immediately say, "Oh yes, yes, that movie." I'm so excited for that movie <laughs> that is coming. That is the Marvel movie that is coming. There's like a bunch of movies coming out in June and July because it's the summer, right? Yeah, I mean, summer blockbuster season. We've got, uh, we've got a Chris Nolan movie, Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah, know. I'm actually excited to see that. Yeah, excited. excited is a strong word for me, but I might go see it because I like his other stuff. Um, what else? Oppelheimer. Uh, oh, there's a new Mission Impossible coming. Oh, yeah. So Tom Cruise in, a, in an action movie, which is just about the only thing you can really, you know, have hope for anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, there is Fast X, which came out, which I haven't seen, which I want to see. Um, yeah, but anyways, I, uh, I, I did, did you know that quantum mania is a pun? No. Yes. That 
the movie name has the words Ant-Man in the title. Huh, so it does. Yeah. Hey. It's, uh... uh that's, that's cute and clever. Bob's, Bob wants to know what about Barbie. Aren't you excited for that? I am barely enough into the mildly interested section but i'm pretty sure it's gonna be some kind of feminist thing <laughs> you can just say no it's all right <laughs> i mean i truly am mildly interested but only barely <laughs> uh and the reason why I kind of am mildly interested is because, uh, you know, the guy who was in Drive and the guy who was in, uh, uh, I can't remember his name now. Well, he was in uh, Blade Runner 2049. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, yeah. The Gauze. He's actually a really good actor, and I think he could carry off the role of Ken and do a good job. And, of course, Margot Robbie is just incandescently beautiful. Um, and she did such a phenomenal job in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So she's actually a good actress, too. And I think she could carry off... Um, kind of this Barbie, this living Barbie doll who starts to think about, uh, you know, dying and living and making choices and then leaves Barbie land. I think it actually could have been a good thing, but I think they're going to mess it up. And I know that sounds like I'm giving a review way too early, but I've seen the trailer. And it's got a lot of cute moments in it, but I'm mildly interested. That's where my mild interest comes from. All right. Two tickets to see Barbie. Let's go. <laughs> and it sounds like I've thought about it a lot, but honestly, that's... That's just my impressions as I was watching the trailer. That, that's how I watch trailers anymore. It's like, hum, 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 cha-ching, and, and then I'm out of there. It's sad that you have to watch trailers that way. You can't just say, oh, that looks like a cute story, and then go on. You, you have to actually, like, armor yourself up against the sucker punch you know is coming. Oh, yeah. You know what else is coming or has already come? Is Indiana Jones out yet? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Nor do I care. That's that's going to be a disaster. That's going to be such a terrible movie. It's, that's absolutely horrible. Phoebe Waller-Bridges is she is 
she is box office cyanide. You know that, is that fugu, the sushi they make from the fish that everything around, like the one tiny part of it, if you cut it wrong, it'll kill you. And so they only license like three chefs in all of Japan to make it. Sure, I know what she you're talking is, about. She is not box office fugu because there is no way to prepare Phoebe Waller-Bridge <laughs> as a writer, as an actress. There is no way to prepare her. She is absolute box office. Whatever the poison is in, in fugu, she is it. And you can't make her go. She played that that feminist robot in uh, Solo, you know, the obnoxious one. Um, I do not, played, because I did not see it. And she plays that, uh, she plays, of course, the, the uh, character in, in the sidekick, the female sidekick in the fifth Indiana Jones and she's played in so many other things and written other things. I don't know how she continues to get work. Um, other than if you hire Phoebe Waller bridge, you automatically get a pass for, you know, doing your bit. And so they'll leave you alone to do other things, but man, she's, she's, she's a sure sign that your movie is going to crash and burn. Because audiences don't like her. I'm not saying they know who she is. She just doesn't appeal to them, you know? So, yeah, that's going to be an awful movie. They're going to hate it. Audiences are going to hate it if they don't already. Um, uh, yeah, it's not out yet. Bradford confirms it's a trash fire. Uh, I read that the paid shills who normally review movies can't even hold it in. Like, they can barely damn it with faint praise. It's just that bad. Like, you, you'll you wish for the days of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull it's that bad. Um, I've got some faint praise for the movie. At, at least it's the last one. <laughs> They already had the last one. It's called The Last Crusade, right? Yes. I think I wrote about that on, on Twitter. That was my exact tweet. Um, or close enough. Great minds. Um, so, yeah. Let's see music. There's been some good music that I have uh, rediscovered. Because whenever, you know, people, when they're making like these TikTok movies or just uh, they get some of these funny security cam videos or whatever, they have a tendency to put some really awesome songs to it. And so I have to use Shazam or SoundCloud or something uh, to go chasing them down. And uh, so I found some cool songs recently. So, I'm going to mention them. Uh, Colder Than Ice by Grant Miller. 
um, is a fun uh, kind of dance song. Uh, it sounds like it's from the 80s. I don't know if it actually is, but it sounds like it's an 80s song. We can't play it on the air because um, they'll kick us off YouTube. Um, Inagata DeVita, which is sold that I'm sure everybody's heard of it. I mean, it was on The Simpsons. That's how old it was when The Simpsons was funny. Um, that's how old the song was. It was old when it was on The Simpsons and The Simpsons was funny. Um, but the original version that was on an album is 17 minutes. Oh, yeah. Famously long song. But there's also a single version that's 254 that's also really good. Uh, and you can get both of those on uh, Apple Music or, you know, Spotify or whatever. So check out the single version if you want to. Uh, that single version is also really good. Um, so Colder Than Ice by Grant Miller, not by Ice. <laughs> There's an album called Colder Than Ice. This is not the album. There's also a movie called Colder Than Ice. This is not the movie. It's by Grant Miller. It's a dance song. It's a fun song. Inagata DeVita, the 254 version by Iron Butterfly. And there's a song called After Dark by uh, Mr. Kitty uh, that's on an album, Time. Um, and it's also a really good song. I got all three of these off of background music on videos I uh, listen to on Twitter, and they're great. All three of them are great songs. I have listened to them several times since I've got them in the last couple of weeks, uh, and I'm so glad I ran across them. Uh, they've been fun to listen to. They've made my life better. So. Good call. Man, I haven't heard Inagata Davida forever. <laughs> I have listened to the 17-minute version uh, at least once, maybe twice in the past uh, few days. It is epic. It is. Oh, uh, and I, I heard a funny story about this. <clears throat> I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but uh, I mean, that was written in they made in the sixties and these guys were basically uh, big stoners and supposedly the song was originally titled in the garden of Eden, but they, they just slurred and mumbled it the whole time. And they're like, let's just go with that. Let's just call it Inagata de Vida. Uh, that is basically the same story I heard. Yes. Um, From the Professor of Rock, uh, who I mentioned a few weeks ago. So, um, I went and saw, went, I, I sat down and watched, because it's on the Disney Channel, Disney Plus, I mean, Quantumania. Oh, boy. So, let me tell you the absolute stone-cold truth about Quantumania. 
it's literally not as bad as everyone said it was. Hmm. But it's also not very good. And it doesn't have Luis in it narrating something as it happens. So it, it, it's not even really an Ant-Man movie. And the problem with it is that they go to this quantum realm. And you know how Marvel movies keep on setting up the next villain, right? Sure. Well, the problem is with this Marvel movie, instead of taking, having a bad guy going through and doing a bunch of stuff, and then like at the end, the villain shows up and it turns out that, you know, Thanos is the guy behind the villain or whatever. Mm -hmm. It turns out that they just spent the entire movie with the big bad guy who's going to be the villain, supposedly for all of um, Phase 5. And you're going to the quantum realm. And it's kind of an interesting place. And unfortunately, you're meeting all these quantum people and they're doing all their quantum things. And it's weirdly like Tron um, Legacy. And yet... You know, but by which I mean it's kind of an isekai, right? You're taken from the normal world into this other world, and you meet a bunch of bad guys, and, and you're trying to escape and get back to the real world. And yet, the villain isn't from the quantum realm. He has nothing to do with the quantum realm. He isn't about the quantum realm. He's also just somebody else who crashed in the quantum realm. So they completely waste the potential of the quantum realm. You could have had a bad guy that was from the quantum realm, that had cool things to do with the quantum realm, that played up the nature of it, and it would have been awesome. Because it could have done a lot of unique things with it, but it wasn't about that. Instead, it was about this guy who we got first in the Loki Disney Plus TV show who's going to show up later. And it's just too much. Too much Marvel being more interested in their big plan coming up. It, it, they finally gone cross-eyed and uh that's an austin powers reference if you guys remember i think it was austin powers too right where they're describing the uh problems with time travel and then austin powers turns and says oh i've gone cross-eyed marvel has finally gone cross-eyed <laughs> where People kept on saying, oh, they're more concerned with the 
big overarching plot line than they are with this movie that's happening now, and they finally did it. They finally spent the entire movie being more concerned with the next movie and the movies after that than they are with this movie. This movie barely happens because everything that happens in this movie has nothing to do with this movie. It's with the next three movies. <laughs> so it's not like it's a terrible movie. It's a wasted movie. There are family moments and they're kind of cute. They're not great. They're kind of cute. They're mildly cute. Um, Scott Lang, is his life is going well, and that's great. He's a world-class hero who saved the world. He's finally getting some recognition for that. This is not a spoiler. This is the beginning of the movie. Anything that's part of the first scene of the movie is not a spoiler. Um, but he still gets no respect from the family, which I thought was, you know, I thought that was, that's really crappy how Marvel has been doing Scott Lang like that. I mean, it's like they keep on wanting him to be a loser, even though he's proven in both Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame that he's not a loser, <laughs> right? I mean, he's gone toe-to-toe with major people. Mm -hmm. um, and then they all get sucked down to the con quantum realm through something that is not his fault. That is the fault of everybody else who's, you know, talking down to him, who's been making fun of him and putting him down, they all get sucked down to the quantum realm and have to get home. And the person who gets them home is Ant-Man. And they're treating him like crap the whole movie. And I'm like, you people, when he gets home, better be kissing his butt. <laughs> <laughs> There's yep, not gonna happen though. Nope. Um, so I think part of the reason this movie doesn't do very well is they they just dump on him the whole movie. They treat him like a loser. They treat him like he's an idiot, and he's neither a loser nor an idiot. Um, and, yeah, and people typical Hollywood dad is awful writing. They can't help themselves. They really can't. They. Yeah, it just, it, it, there is some good stuff here. There's a lot of good stuff here, but they squandered the potential of the quantum realm. They squandered the potential of, of Scott. And I, I, I can't give it a recommend. I can't say it's worth watching. All I can say is, it was not painful while I was watching it, and it wasn't as terrible as everybody said. 
I mean, it's not a legitimately super bad movie. It is a mediocre movie. I'm not saying that means you should watch it. It's just not bad. I know bad movies. I've watched bad movies. I've watched bad TV shows. But this is not a bad movie. It's just not a very good movie. There's a difference. I'm not hearing a difference. This genuinely sounds like a terrible movie. That's because you don't understand the difference between me telling you, yes, it's a mediocre movie, and me telling you, this is an awful movie. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> I guess it's good enough for me that why would I want to watch a movie that has any of the traits that you just described? I'm not telling you you should. That's the point. It's got genuine fun family moments, like I said at the beginning. It's got humor. I mean, I, I led with all the good stuff. Because you keep on asking me for the good stuff. So I led with all the good stuff. Okay. Did you not hear me lead with the good stuff? It just, it happened so fast. I, I, it was gone before I uh, realized it and you were onto the not good stuff. Um, there's some fun action movies. There's some interesting secondary characters. Um, Bill Murray, Bill Murray shows up and just, I don't even know why he's in it. He just kind of phones it in and they missed the biggest opportunity for a comedic payoff ever. Um, he says a specific line about one point. He asks about ants. And then at some point later in the movie, there's an event that occurs with ants that would have been perfect if his character had been around for this event. It would have been hilarious comedically, but Bill Murray isn't there for it. And I don't know if they could only get him for one day on set. Um or whatever, but it feels like that was originally written into the script and then they just edited it out because they couldn't get him there, but it was a missed opportunity. Um, but the action is fun. There's some great fight scenes. Um, you know, the Donner uh, has some is interesting in a couple of ways, but also is also is pretty uh they do a lot of stereotypical teenage things with her. If you were to place bets in any given situation that she would act like every other teenager in a movie acts like you would not be likely to lose a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, um, so yeah, it's it's not a bad movie. It's just those those annoying things are kind of omnipresent, and they great. They annoy me. They're not huge things that overpower the movie. The huge thing that overpowers the movie is the villain. 
And he does not belong in this movie. He should not be in this movie because he's Kang the Conqueror. Which I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything if you haven't seen Loki or you don't know the character from the comic books. Kang time travels. So he exists, you know, he time travels from the beginning to the end of time and back. And uh, apparently, I don't know if this is true in the Marvel comics, but in the continuity that they've set up for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there is like an infinite number of them, and they're all conquerors, and, and they're all different, and he... Uh, exists in different timelines as a different person. And the quantum realm is tiny, beyond tiny, beyond tiny, so small that it becomes its own world with planets and atmosphere and intelligent creatures and alien races that are just freaky that could never exist in the macro-universe. So, those two concepts are utterly alien to each other, right? They do not exist in the same concept. Now, if you wanted to have Kang, the multiversal villain who exists in multiple timelines, be the villain in a recent Marvel movie, which recent Marvel movie would he be the villain in? Sure, the, uh, the multiversal ones, the Spider-Mans. Spider-Man, maybe, or Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, I th yeah, I thought that was a Spider-Man movie. I suppose it doesn't matter. With with where the villain was the magic Scarlet Witch. No, that should have been Kang. And then the villain in this movie should have been someone from the quantum realm. They completely screwed up Phase 4 entirely. It was one long disaster after another. The Eternals, um, Shang-Chi went over poorly. Um, Black Widow was completely out of place. It should have been where Captain Marvel was and Captain Marvel was, of course, famously a disaster, and that should have kicked off Phase 4. Um, and then, this is the start of Phase 5, supposedly, and it's been bollocks all the way through. And, and I'm sorry, I don't mean bollocks, as in the British term, I mean bollocks, which is an engineering term for completely messed up. Um, and then you have this quantum movie 
where they just have the wrong villain in it. And it's not like he's a badly written villain. It's not like he doesn't have interesting things to do. And it's not like, you know, they don't try to fit him in this movie. He just is conceptually wrong for the movie. Um, he just completely does not fit. I mean, it's a wonder. It's a wonder the uh, writers went on strike and nothing of value was lost. Just something so obvious as how to use these different pieces in the story that Kang the Conqueror versus the other villains. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness wasn't a Doctor Strange movie anyway. They were just using it to focus entirely on America Chavez, who's this multiversal character. So... Doctor Strange versus, and they did a lot of clever things with it, but Doctor Strange needs to face a magic villain, um, or at least someone interesting with magical stuff added on to it. it it's just been, I don't know, I guess they're trying to do interesting things, and juggle it up, you know, mix it up, but they're just doing it wrong. And it's it's sad to see them backseating good characters. And, and I, I think that they think that Ant-Man's a bad character. Oh, his movies haven't been doing very well. And I'm like, no, the only reason why his movies haven't been doing very well is, I mean, think of all the great thief characters from other movies, not Marvel movies. Like uh, The Saint from the TV show The Saint or Inception. Uh, Cobb from Inception, played by Leonardo DiCaprio and his team. Sure, it's a classic archetype. Yeah. You could have had Ant-Man, Scott Lang, be a kick-ass thief. Like a world-class thief. And have him be someone people could admire for his high skill at thievery. And I bet you those movies would have done so much better. And then he gets involved in needing to be a hero for whatever reason. Um, and now... He gets a hold of this Ant-Man suit and he's been enabled to become literally the 
best thief in the world because he can get into places that no one ever has ever been able to get into and steal things that no one has ever been able to steal. He could literally break into Fort Knox, miniaturize all the gold, and steal it. But for whatever reason, he can't do that. He has to be the hero now. And that would have been a kick-ass first movie to introduce the character. Um, and then he has to reform uh, and do some stuff. I mean, I, I think that that going with someone who was good at what he did, that had a crew who was good at what they did, would make the audience admire them. And then, and like when Civil War comes around, of course. You know, he's trying to be a hero. He's going to jump at the chance to be on Captain America's team. Because now he's actually, he's trying to reform. He's trying to be this hero. And he's going to, you know, be with the biggest hero who's been, you know, America's hero for 50 years or 60 years. Uh Yeah, I just I think that would have been a much more compelling character than than a schlub. So it's not the schlubbiness ruins the movie. It's it's not this overarching thing. It's just a bad character choice that went back three movies. But the movie as a movie again. It's not like the multiverse of madness was ruined because uh, because the Scarlet Witch was the villain. I happened to like the movie. I thought it was a really well done movie. But why is the Scarlet Witch the villain in a multiversal movie that doesn't quite fit. And they did a really good job of making it fit, but it still doesn't quite fit. And Kang being the villain in this movie doesn't quite fit. So the humor is there and it's fun. The, you know, touching family moments are there and that's great. Um, They've got great action. Um, you know, phenomenal special effects. It's a, uh, it's not a terrible movie unless those undercurrents really, really bother you. 
See, when I say terrible movie, it doesn't have bad performances. It doesn't have bad cinematography. It doesn't have bad um, writing. It doesn't have great writing, but it doesn't have bad writing. Um, it's got some clever moments. Um, Scott Lang gets to be, uh, you know, the hero and save people. I'm trying to do this without spoiling the movie. Um, it is not a bad movie. But if your primary criteria for judging a movie are, does it also do these other things I find obnoxious, you know, yeah, if you find the fact that he's got a mask that looks like an ant obnoxious and you think that's terrible, yeah, you'll think this movie is terrible. Um, you know, if you find the fact that he's a schlub, obnoxious, and, and that makes it a terrible movie, yes, you're going to think it's a terrible movie. Um, those don't actually bear on the quality of the movie, though. Those just bear on... Uh, that doesn't make it a terrible movie. That doesn't... That isn't part of the quality of the movie. That's just something else that's thrown in. So do you see what I'm saying? It sounds like it's a measure of degrees. It sounds like it's a measure of degrees. I mean, may, are, we, are we splitting hairs over the meaning of terrible? I mean, if the movie's not worth watching, it's not worth watching. You can have a movie that is well-made, and they used to do this, that is well-made, that is uh, brilliantly acted, that has an incredible script, that is fabulously shot, that still has a poisonous message. Mm. That is still, objectively speaking, artistically a successful movie, artistically even a great movie. But it's still got a poisonous message. So is that a terrible movie? I, I'm judging this movie on its merits as a piece of work. That's what I always do. And then I'm also giving you, as you know, and people listening, a heads up as to some of the themes that are in it that they may, may not like. So when I say this movie isn't terrible, I'm saying it's not a bad movie in the sense that it's not a, you know, artistically poor movie. It's a mediocre movie. And it's also got these themes that the people who tend to listen to this show may not like. Got it. Well, I hope that, that it kind of clarifies it for me. I hope that clarifies it for everybody else. Shall we move on? Yes. I need to flip through. Oh, no, I'm looking at it. What am I looking right at? <laughs> um, I played Atomic Heart, the video game. And...
It's janky in its gunplay, which for a first-person shooter is a big deal, and it sucks. And I don't mean the game sucks. I mean the fact that the gunplay is janky is awful. Is 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 um deplorable. It's sad. It's regrettable. That's it. That's the word I'm looking for. It's regrettable that the that the game that the primary core of the gameplay is so bad. Um, the game is pretty much uh, attempts to jump into the Bioshock genre and name checks a couple of Bioshock. Literally name checks some things in Bioshock. Um, it is a commentary on the Soviet system. Some people have said, oh, this is pro-communist propaganda. I'm like, no, this is... I played the game. I pay attention. I paid attention. I finished the game. I paid attention. This is not pro-communist propaganda. Um... It is, they made some regrettable decisions with the overworld that made it painful to get through. And they made at least three or four regrettable decisions with the overworld. And, uh, one of them was that if you kill more than three robots in the overworld, do I need to talk about the game? Uh, you're in this Soviet secret facility in an alternate universe where uh, Russians got, you know, developed some kind of uh, polymer that enabled them to use robots to uh keep to become the world power and dominate uh the world and the united states is cut off and collapsing um and uh i would say the game is not a terrible game but there's some things about it that make it incredibly frustrating and not they, they took a lot of the fun that could have been there and beat the fun out of you. Um, the game is a bunch of dungeons connected by an overworld and the overworld is just really obnoxious to get through. You have a bunch of these robots, the, the, the conceit of the game is that there's these robots that were built by the Soviet Union to be sold to the rest of the world, and they are ostensibly civilian robots, but they all have secretly militarized um, applications. Uh, so a robot which is designed to thresh wheat uh, can also have those same blades turned against 
uh, soldiers and whatnot and chopped them to bits. So uh, they somebody turns on the militarized applications in this secret science facility, and a bunch of people get killed, and you're sent into the you're a top secret agent. You're sent into the facility to put things right. Um, the overworld is chock full of robots. If you kill more than three of them, they send flying security units to shoot at you with lasers, and they also reconstruct the robots so you can't ever kill them because they all come back just like the way they are. And you can't blow up any of the uh, big hives that send these out, so you're just stuck with infinitely respawning robots. Um, there are security cameras everywhere that you can't really permanently disable and they summon all the robots in the area to you um and there's so many robots it's just not fun to get through the area um the places where there aren't robots there are mutants and those are better because they only infinitely spawn from hives that you can destroy so if you hunt down all the hives in an area, you can destroy all of them and stop the mutants from infinitely respawning. In between, uh, scattered about the overworld are little dungeons where you go for story missions or you go to find mods to make your weapons better. Um, killing enemies gets you polymer, which uh, you can use to boost up psychic powers or uh, boost up your body. Um, now that sounds like Bioshock. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great things about the game, a lot of things that the game could have done better, but uh, apparently this was made by a Moscow-based um, developer, and so it's it's just got that Eastern European jank about it. Everything you think of when you think of Eastern Europe, and I hate to be you know, stereotypical. <laughs> but when you think of like U.S. tanks versus Russian tanks, when you think of like low price U.S. cars versus the Yugo, um, I didn't run into any major bugs. It didn't crash on me except maybe once or twice, literally. Um, but the gameplay was kind of janky. Not hugely janky, just janky enough to take a bunch of the fun and trash it. 
they made some bad design decisions and it was not as much fun as it could be. And you also have to realize that I got this for free on the Game Pass for uh, Xbox and, and Windows. I did not spend $70 for it. I imagine I would be a lot angrier about it if I had spent 70 full dollars for it. There are just some things I'm not going to spend $74 for. And if I had spent $70 on this, I would have been so much angry. So if you get a week-long pass to the Game Pass and you, you want to try it out as your game and spend a week playing it all all the time, then go for it. Or if you want to, if you already have it, you know, by all means, play it for no additional cost. I, I absolutely would not recommend playing it for $70. Would not recommend it. Just not. It's no wonder it's on the Game Pass. Yeah, they. It's not a terrible game. It's just uh, Yahtzee Croshaw said this, and this is what I ended up doing. I watched his review before I played it, but I listened to his advice. When you're in the overworld, you dash from save point to save point, and then you make a beeline for your next, um, your next dungeon, whatever it is you're heading for. Um, and you really just don't, uh, spend a lot of time dallying about. It's just, the overworld isn't fun. It is not fun at all. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's miserable. And there's nothing you can do to make it fun. Buying up all your physical health, buying up good powers, doesn't make the overworld fun. It does not get better in the late game or the end game. So yeah, they made some bad game design decisions. That's Atomic Art. Okay. I talked about Amazon Citadel before. It's a six-episode TV series. Um, apparently, it's the start of a... Uh, it is made by the Russo brothers, who directed uh, several of the good Marvel movies, like um, The Winter Soldier and... Mm. Uh, Infinity War and Endgame and, and a, a couple others. Uh, they are very competent action movie directors. Um, they managed to make the Winter Soldier look good, even though they were hamstrung by the stupid MPAA rules against actually showing, you know, impactful violence in uh, American movies. It's the best kind of violence. 
um, which I've talked about before, so I'm not going to get into. Um, so it stars Jon Snow. Uh, oh, wait, no, it doesn't. It's not Jon Snow. It's the other Snow, Rob Snow, who got killed at the Red Wedding. Um, it's fun. It's a spy series. It's a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it got a little too twisty towards the end, but it was an enjoyable spy series. Uh, and I can give it a, a solid recommend. Cool. So, um, that's, that's really all I, I, uh, all, all you need. Um, I mean, I, I could go down the list of all the good things about it. The uh, performances are good. The action is good. Um, the spy stuff is good. You know, it, it's six hours long because it's six episodes of a, of a TV series, but they're all enjoyable and they're all streaming now. So you can binge it if you watch, want, or uh, just watch it one at a time. Knock yourselves out. I enjoyed it. Well, cool. Maybe I'll put it on the list to peep at. Um, I mean, it is a spy series. If you don't like spy stuff, then, you know, this probably won't win you over, but I like spy stuff. I like your Mission Impossible, James Bond, classic James Bond, you know, good James Bond. Am I being too bitter? <laughs> Um, and last but not least, uh, Bombrosilia. Um, I don't know what to say. We have some Bombrosilia players in the audience. Do we have any questions about it? Well, well, let's find out. We'll give him a second to ask some questions. I mean, you took a long break from the DM screen and um, a lot of changes happened in the Trollopilus game. So I was wondering if you were going to get back to it. So for me, it was a pleasant surprise when you return and said, Hey guys, I've got some new stuff and, uh, and we're going to play. And I was even more surprised when you uh, completely upended the local milieu based on the crazy world events, the consequences of Brovenloft and the curse of Lamala. So I can say that was definitely a fun thing. Did did you already go over those changes or, or did you already go over what happened in a previous show? I forget. No, I didn't. Um, but basically I wanted to I had two goals. I wanted to roll with the punches and let the events of Brovenloft and Right After change the setting. And I also wanted to, um, while changing it, keep it still pirates. Because Bomb Brasilia was a pirate setting. Um, and there were some things that the players seemed not to really... 
uh, either like or engage with. And so I wanted to um, de-emphasize those aspects and, and uh, open up opportunities for other things to see if they uh, were more interested in those. And um, we had a, in Trilopolis, there was a, well, in, in the, uh, after Brovenloft, there was this, um, or in Trilopolis, there was, a, the sun went out for a long time. There was freezing ice and, and things got terribly bad. And even after the sun came back, uh, I figured there would be or could be um, some lasting consequences to this tropical area. And so I put together some things that are going on in the background um, that the players may or may not discover based on them, based on their own initiative. I am expecting, I realize people have gotten used to Machador, where they are having adventure seeds thrown at them all the time and are used to that. But in the archipelago, they are going to have to be a lot more proactive. If they don't like the path they're on and want to do something different, they're going to have to go search it out. Um, but the tropical archipelago or island chain is now frozen over permanently. It never unthawed after the sun came back. And that is because of the vengeance of the uh, sea goddess Eris. And so there are a lot of things going on through the archipelago. Um, a lot of things going on in just the local area where the characters are. And so things they know about, things they don't know about. And some things they do know about that I think the players have forgotten about. That they might want to think back to the first uh, session and um, reflect on and, in, and reinvestigate to see if uh, what they may have missed. <laughs> Unlikely to happen. Um, but yeah, um, I decided to roll with the whole perpetual winter thing, and that's causing a bunch of problems in a formerly tropical paradise that is now an Arctic paradise, and we'll see what uh, 
We'll see what transpires. The party has decided right now to continue exploring an underneath uh, an underground um, complex. An underground complex. They have decided it is a a base. Um, if we can keep it safe, it's totally a base. You got to understand uh, the we stumbled upon this underground complex that has uh, artificial light and running water, indoor plumbing, and heated water, and we found some stores of canned food in a Arctic hell that is living like kings. And we've got to protect it from anybody basically coming to find out about it and or figure out how we can turn this over for a tidy profit. Uh, it's huge. For the, for the setting that we're in, it's absolutely huge. And you also met some really disgusting, disturbing mutant spider tars. Oh, yeah, it's crazy out there. Um, I've put up two session reports of uh, the two sessions we played there. Um, so yeah, now now's the chance for anybody who's played in, who is in the audience. Uh, ask me a question, I may answer it. So if no you want questions to... so far. Chat's quiet. No free hints today. Ooh. <laughs> Missed opportunity. All right. Do you want to ask a question on behalf of the party? Um, I, I mean, I, I like discovering things in game. I wouldn't dare use my privilege to get uh, information out of you. But, uh, but I will ask this question. Uh, I mean, maybe I'll ask later because I don't think it's going to be interesting to anybody listening. I'm curious to know what things we should go back over and think about from that first session because we don't really have any notes or any good memories or anything. Um, uh, it is in the uh, it is in the um, session report. Session report. So I'll give this one to you for free. You remember that the door to this area opened. And came unlocked because the other one got locked up. Okay. So there is another door on the other side of the square. Um, one thing I, I wanted to comment on or, or ask you about was your comment on players being used to having hooks thrown at them. Um my thought on that is traditionally that's the sort of thing that a rumor table is for you know if if you as the game master have some things that are going on that you might you know that players might be interested in they would ask around town and and find out things and maybe they'll get pointed in the direction of a job or a dungeon somewhere across the map or something. So 
are you utilizing that mechanic when you say players have to go out and look for it? Or uh, what do you have in mind in terms of how is what you're doing different from that? Oh, I just, at one point during the last session, uh, this session two, um, the, uh, uh, one of the players said, well, you know, we, we went back over the stuff we learned during the first session. It didn't seem like there was anything concrete to follow up on. Um, and my only response to that is, well, then you need to look more. Got it. If you haven't found anything that you're interested in yet, um, and it, 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 there is maybe more there than, or if one of those things doesn't seem interesting or you're not interested in it, um, it may not be immediately obvious that there is something there. You may need to go digging into it or whatever, but you may also need to just go go doing more of looking into things or getting to know people or, you know, whatever. I think I get it. Uh, that's all I had. All right. Well, let me run back over our list here. Um, Citadel, Quantum Mania, <laughs> um, Bombrosilia, Atomic Heart. <laughs> yeah, one of the players points out one of the things that we're actually excited about is uh, is actually stealing a nice ship. He says, "I want to steal a nice schooner and go raiding on the frozen main." Uh, that is sort of what we're angling towards. We all kind of got the idea that once we get some funds and we can nab ourselves a, a ship and, and crew it out, that we would go be ice pirates for a while. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. There there are plenty of opportunities for adventure out there. Um, I, I guess what I was trying to make clear with the, you know, if you don't like where you are, go looking. Uh, comment is this place that you're in, this complex, is not intended. I did not create it to be a home base. I didn't create it not to be a home base either. I mean, if that's what you want to use it for, great. That's, you know. Dude, it's got showers <laughs> beds it is but absolutely you, a home base if you want to you know get on a ship and head out someplace else that's fine um you know or uh if you want to go back and go investigate the elevator and go down further that's fine too um it is not i do not have it planned out that you're supposed to go dungeoneering into you know, the elevator. If you want to do that, that's fine. But any place else you want to go is perfectly acceptable to me too. This is not a, you know, I am following 
the full player autonomy de, uh, DMing philosophy of Trollopolis. Um, Sounds good. It's working out so far. Yes. Well, great. Um, it was good chatting with you today, DW. I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Talk about all the stuff that we talked about. Um, I'm particularly excited about going back to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we'll see how that. We'll see what comes up in the next week or two. Um, but uh, I'm. I am out of stuff for this week, DW, and I think we covered everything you wanted to talk about if you want to sign us off. All right, folks. We want to thank everyone who uh, listened live, um, came in and participated in the chat. We want to thank everyone who will listen later. We are available on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab. This is from geekgab for Saturday, June 10th, 2000. 2023. You can uh, check us out on the Google Play Store, on SoundCloud.com, or on the iTunes Store. Just do a search for Geek Gap. We are signing out for today, but don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.